Welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we are crossing over this month with the Hugo's There podcast. And Who are we you are- calling? <laughs> <laughs> That's going to sound like you said calling. <laughs> this is how it goes here, people. <laughs> just letting you know. And uh, it just so happens that the most recent winner of the retro Hugo for best novel, Conjure Wife by Fritz Lieber is also adapted into three films. And so that's why it made sense for us to cover it on Take Me to Your Reader. And so I've had Colin before as a guest on the Hugo's There podcast. That's I have me. not yet had Mr. James Ralston. <laughs> that's him. That would be me. Yes. Maybe. So one of the things... As that, long as um, I believe it's me. <laughs> correct. Do <Yes>. you believe? <laughs> do you, mean, you do believe? We, do we need to warn our listeners about the content of this podcast? <laughs> with with a, a black screen? <laughs> yes. Four-minute voiceover. We invoke the spirits of Ellison, and Asimov, and Matheson. <laughs> yes, very much. That was a little weird. But anyhow, one of the things that I normally do on the Who Goes There podcast is a little bit of uh, allowing my guests to talk about themselves and talk about their nerdy history. Colin has already done this, of course, but James, right. you have not, and I'm springing this on you oh, at the awesome. spur of the moment. So <laughs> I figure there, there, there are people who have listened to Take Me to Your Reader for five years who have a good impression of you know who you are. Right. Um, but- Folks on Hugo's their side who maybe don't cross over uh, don't know much about you. So what what is the history of your nerdery? Well, that's assuming I'm a nerd, which I'll, is a fair assumption. So there you go. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, we're sitting here in a room with a, a Deep Space Nine model. Somewhere. Right. Yep. Yep. Model of uh, Deep, yeah, Deep Space Nine, Space Stations, and Tyrannosaurus Rex, action figures, comic book stuff. Yep. Lots of sci-fi books. <laughs> yeah. So how, how did you come up in, in terms of uh, becoming a... Science fiction or fantasy fan. It goes back a long way, I suppose. I've been reading science fiction since I was a kid, and okay. playing video games and watching science fiction movies, enjoying things like Terminator and Total Recall back in the day. Nice. Back when they you know, first released. <laughs> yes. Some of them, anyway, right? Because right. you're like eight years younger than I am and like 10 True. years younger True. than Colin, so... <laughs> Cool. Okay, so I was around when Terminator 2 initially released. How about that? Yes. <laughs> I, I will believe that one. Yeah. <laughs> Were you more of a... Like, did you start off as more of a book fan or more of a movie fan, or is it just kind of all combined? Probably movies, with like Star Wars and stuff like that. Okay. But I also read, you know, Crichton back in the day, too, so. Nice. Yeah. So what what did you, did, did you take books with you when you were underway in the Navy? I did. I also took books with me on road trips. I'm one of those weird individuals that can actually read books while they're being driven around. Okay, but not not while driving. <laughs> no, no, no. No, not while driving. <laughs> yeah, no, I've, I've never been accused of getting no. car sick either, so. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, well, that'll wrap it up for the meet James Ralston portion. Yeah. In case anybody doesn't know, I met James through work, so that's that's kind of how the connection yep. formed. Yep. I met James through Seth. Right. Right. Yes, through us running together. Yes. Okay. So under discussion today, we have Conjure Wife by Fritz Lieber, which is a 1943 novel published in Unknown Worlds, and then later expanded into a 1952 version of the novel. Slightly, slightly longer. Slightly longer, yeah. We don't really know how much longer, but it's slightly different as well. It's reorganized a little bit. Mm-hmm. But then we have three movies. We have 1944's Weird Woman, starring Lon Chaney, <laughs> and then we have the 1962 film 
Burn Witch Burn, which was the American title of it. The English title was Night of the Eagle. And then we have the 1980 movie starring Terry Garr and Richard Benjamin called Witch's Brew, which is where the intro music came from. <laughs> right. Subtitled Which Witch is Witch. <laughs> was it? Yeah. Oh, no way. Really? Huh? I didn't no. know. That. Okay. We, we will talk about these things one at a time, of Dang. course. But as always, we start with the story, which is the common thread that weaves through all the media that we're discussing. Right. And sometimes that common thread is like 30,000 foot view. Here, I feel like we're closer to the ground where the, the common thread yeah. is pretty yeah. common. It's just the execution of it is somewhat different. Right. Yeah. I think here you could say there's a central idea. And then if you look at amount of story that you see in various places, it it varies. Yeah. The specifics mm-hmm. of the plot are, are somewhat different, but the right. the premise is the same, right? It's this successful college professor finds out that his wife has been doing conjure magic and ostensibly to help him in his career, right. which he doesn't believe and, and, and rejects. And also protect him. Right, and also protect him. And he makes she, her... Women's intuition. She senses these things. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he makes her stop it, and then bad things start to happen to him. Yes. And right. all the details of from there you know, do diverge somewhat. So, But yeah, the premise is exactly the same. It's just a matter of the execution of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll talk about each one of them in turn. Yeah. None of us had ever read any Fritz Lieber before? No. Don't believe so. No. What else has he done? Uh, he's got at least one other Hugo winner. Oh, really? Yeah. The Wanderer. Yeah. And cool. uh, I'm going to mispronounce it. It's Fawford and the Gray Mouser. Oh, yeah. It's one yeah. of the, the big hit, the big uh, fantasy epic. Mm. That, that's Fritz Lieber. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Which is actually based on him and a friend of his. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, you haven't read it. You just are familiar with it. I've heard of it. Okay. I mean, if you know, I'm in the biz. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was looking through the library catalog for this book just to see if they had it, which they didn't, mm-hmm. um, I did come across that one actually, and a bunch of other. It seemed like he's pretty prolific for fantasy, not so much science fiction. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah, much more on the fantasy side. I think the Wanderer might be science fiction, mm-hmm. but um, yeah. Yeah, and none of us had any experience with any of these movies, I don't think. I don't know. If I have seen the 1980 movie one, Mm because it looks like an ABC Sunday night special, (laughs) I have no recollection of it. (laughs) Yes. So why don't we start talking about the 1943 novel? Now, this is one of the interesting things. What version of this did we read? So, James, what did you read? I read the version, the Nook version, and I skimmed through that online uh, novella, I guess you could say. Okay. And Colin? Uh, I read the novel, and I read most of the novella, but never finished it. Okay. Wow. This is like the one time that I did more homework than anybody. (laughs) Because I I read the whole novel. I actually got it from Google Playbooks, because I didn't pick it up when it was cheap uh, on the Ah. Nook store. And it it ended up being cheaper from Google Play than than the Nook store after the price went back up. Oh, I'm sure. And then once you mentioned that, well, I mean, I already knew that it was expanded somewhat. But I didn't know to what extent. And so I thought, okay, I'll read it. I've got time because um, I'd already finished it. So I actually did read the entire novella as well. Hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. I kind of like read the first five or ten pages and then the last five or ten pages. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh. I, it's substantially the same. Yeah. It's, it's, it's it just, seemed like it minus the beginning and the end. Because we didn't start out with the, the intro on the novella was... Yeah, it was different. Yeah, with uh, the ladies talking or something like that. Yeah, so, of course, as always, we go full spoilers on this kind of thing. On Usually on the Hugo's There podcast, we have a non-spoiler discussion first, mm-hmm. but I don't really want to do that because we've got four things to cover. Right. Five, if you count the 
two versions of the novel. Yeah. So we're going to go full spoilers for this. So that'll be that'll be somewhat different. And I can totally understand why they got rid of the first half of the the first part of the novella for this novel because it's why would you want to listen to women talking? <laughs> all right, so this is going to be a topic. This is going to be a topic. There'll, there'll be a thread of this going through all of our discussions, and that is that uh, it's it's the forties and mm-hmm. uh, really really strong nineteen forty era gender roles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, the movie starts off with the husband <laughs> demanding that the wife stop her her neurotic psychotic nonsense. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. The, I mean, so the the not the original novel, the nineteen fifty two one, starts with him just apparently out of nowhere going through his wife's stuff and finding the paraphernalia of witchcraft. Right. Yeah. And whereas in the original one from the magazine, it starts off with a discussion of all the ladies, mm-hmm. basically showing, okay, there's some adversaries here. It introduces the adversaries before it even right, introduces right. the main characters. Yeah. I actually prefer the expanded novel where there's a little more mystery about that, mm-hmm. where you don't really find out. You don't get any point of view from the adversary women until... A really long later way into the on, book. Yeah, much yeah. later on, yeah. Yeah. One of the other premises of the novel and the novella are this, is the, the basic question is, is any of this real? Right. Is is the witchcraft real? Is this just something she believes? Is what's happening an incredible series of coincidences? Mm-hmm. And the, the opening section of the novella, I think, to me, paints it pretty strongly that the witchcraft is real. Yes. And I think maybe that's just because they believe it strongly. Mm-hmm. And I had read that I had read the novella after the novel, so I had the benefit of knowing. Oh, so they are going to work together and do all these things together right. against Tansy and. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas in the nineteen fifty two one, I feel like it is a little more skeptical, and at the end, you you kind of come around to. Yeah, I'm not sure. Right. Right. At, at by the end of it, Norman hasn't gone. Yeah, yeah, that was all real, all of it, totally. <laughs> He's still somewhat skeptical of it, but I think he, I don't know. I think he's at least on the path because okay. uh, quick, quick overview of the novel. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, there's Norman and Tansy sailor mm-hmm. and they're at a university. She's protecting him through witchcraft. He finds witchcraft, all the her charms and hexes. They're all protective. They're not uh, attack or evil. They're, they're like white and he forces her to stop it. And then the instant he burns the last item of protection lots of bad things starts happening he gets a call from a student who claims that she's his unrequited lover Mm -hmm. Uh, another student calls and says well you were forcing me out he doesn't get the job at the university he cuts himself shaving he starts Mm -hmm. having fantasies about throwing himself in front of a truck which has been a long-term fear of his right tansy kind of intervenes and and takes this big curse onto herself Mm -hmm. and she goes and uh, throws herself into the ocean and almost completely drowns herself before Norman rescues her. Right. And Norman rescues her through practicing of magic. Right. And there's a very explicit description of what he does and the resistance he feels doing it. It's mm-hmm. very sensual in that you 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 know he hears it and smells it and feels it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not in time to save her. She's lost her soul. Right. And so then the rest of the book is her trying to get her soul back and Norman struggling with whether or not still. If this is really real. Right. Or if he's just humoring her and she's a nutter. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then left open are the questions of, you know, well, it's an incredible series of coincidences. Right. And one example is how does she find him after she throws herself into the sea in New Jersey? Right. Right. And then later on, 
uh, he's just, he's determined to apply male you know male classic male logic to this, mm-hmm. and so he takes a series mm-hmm. of equations, symbolic equations, which result <laughs> which uh, represent magic, and he takes it to his friend, who yeah. is the husband of one of the other wives, who is a witch. That was actually mm-hmm. pretty funny. And says, you know, help me figure this out, and it's the spell for how to return Tansy's soul to her body. Right. Which works. Mm-hmm. And so I think the practice, to me, the practice of the magic says that he might not be fully bought into it, mm-hmm. but he he's on the path and walking. Yeah, yeah. So one thing I would say, and, and James, I'll, I would welcome your comment on this as well. Okay. We've talked about this from an adaptational consideration. I feel like there's enough skepticism represented in the book that you could take it either way in a movie, and I would be fine with it. You could You could... Basically say, okay, I'm answering the question of if it was real, and I'm going to say no. Or I'm answering the question if it was real, I'm going to say yes, or you could stick with the maybe. Yeah, because I think the book doesn't do that. It still leaves it open for you to interpret. But but like Colin was saying, and I do agree, the, the novel really does seem to indicate that he did magic, or at least... Yeah, he, but he's he, still, he he's still like denying it to himself in the end. Anyway. Yeah. He doesn't fully believe it. I think it kind of illustrates the the power of that denial in the first place. Yeah, he's be. just doing what he thinks might help her, whether or not he believes it or not. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. and I think she finds her way back to the hotel in Jersey through the his guiding spirit. Because his his spirit that he summoned doing his magic is the one that saved her. But to go back to your your point about doubt, if there is no magic, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The guiding spirit is uh, yeah. True. <laughs> yes. Zombie GPS. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about the gender roles, though. I, I feel like, because we were just interviewing your wife downstairs right. <laughs> to where she's like, nope, I, I hate all of it. Everything's D's and F's. Because just the, you know, this is a story about a man who won't listen to his wife. And his wife is totally right. And even right. in the novel, the biggest biggest flaw in terms of like the gender roles and everything mm-hmm. it's a novel about a guy who won't listen to his wife his wife is completely right and he still gets to rescue her and i'm like oh come on <laughs> no no well he, he gets the opportunity to but he causes all this to happen yeah he causes it all to happen but still he gets the hero moment at the end to help her get her soul back so i, I feel like it like mm-hmm. it goes it yeah. leans really hard into the well i mean <laughs> anything good that's going to happen really does end up coming from the man even though the bad stuff also came from him <laughs> yeah, it. I uh, yeah. I, I see your point, but mm-hmm. I, to me, it was more like I need to fix what I broke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that, and and that's a responsible thing to do. But it's not the kind of thing to go. Wow, what a hero, <laughs> good guy. You know, it's it's like that old Chris Rock bit about right. you know applauding men for like not leaving their wives and and bringing up their kids. He's like, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, <laughs> we, we shouldn't be like, wow, that's amazing. No, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> The other thread that kind of runs through there, which is an element of doubt, is that not only does he find her doing this kind of stuff, the witchcraft, Mm -hmm. but then there's this long going thread where he's afraid to share things with her because he doesn't want to reactivate her neurosis. Right. So not only is she doing something wrong, but she isn't as strong as I am or as healthy as I am. And so I have to protect her from these things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's also a thread that runs through the book and a couple of the movies Mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, it's not only a guy not listening to his wife, he's also not communicating with her to give her the information that she would need to go, okay, look, I told you bad stuff was going to happen. Yeah. Right. Um, and you, you do have that in one of the movies where it's you know, kind of voiceover thing in the back where he's hearing her say, I can't be responsible for what happens. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about those in, in turn. 
<laughs> so just <laughs> in terms of the gender roles, okay, I'm just from page 22 of, of the 1952 novel, okay? If he had ever wondered about tansy and superstitions at all, it had only been to decide, with a touch of self-congratulation, that for a woman, she was almost oddly free from irrationality. <laughs> okay. Um, I, think, I think that inspired Jack Nicholson's line in... Uh, as good as it gets. As good as it gets. Right. Yes. Well, how do you write women so well? I think of a man, and I take away reason and accountability. <laughs> yes, it probably did. But there's no question that that character is sexist. Yes. <laughs> Without a doubt. Yeah. I, so, I mean, we haven't really talked about, did, did we enjoy the novel? I felt it was kind of slow. It is a little slow. And, and maybe that's because it's not really an action novel. It's more, uh, it's more of a creeping horror where you know, right. you're introduced to this situation and how what's going on behind the scenes. You spend a lot of time in Norman's head. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think, James? I like the last half better than the first half. <laughs> Why? More action-packed. There you go. Okay, so you like it. Like from what point? From the point she loses her soul? I think from the point uh, where... So you got the beginning where they kind of go through... The, before, before there's any hint of magic going on, it's pretty humdrum, mm-hmm. like Colin was saying. Yeah. Probably, I guess, maybe from the point... Where he makes her burn, or I guess he burns all the stuff. Right. Where they burn all the stuff, and then things start happening. But I think there could have been uh, any any elimination of even space in there. There just seemed sure. like a lot of filler. Mm-hmm. Up until, yeah, I say up until the point where she takes the curse from him, and then abscons. And that part was interesting, going yeah. through all of that. Okay. And then retrieving her soul after that. I, I liked the twist at the end. Mm-hmm. That was neat. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. So I haven't gotten to talk to you much about this one. Colin and I have chatted a little bit mm-hmm. um, during the week. Yeah. Or, you know, when, when I we went back and read that golf. part twice just to make sure I was thinking about it right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. That was twisty. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly thought a great place to end that novel would have been with Tansy showing up at the front door. Oh, really? Because then, oh, yeah. then, then, then you're completely in limbo. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, and it's the Twilight Zone ending, right? Yeah. Yeah. I uh, so there, there's a couple parts in this that I really enjoy, and the, my, one of my favorites was when I don't even remember how it happened. I think the the bull roar that's that's what it was called. Yeah. That, 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 that wow 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 thing that yeah. uh, Crocodile Dundee does in Crocodile Dundee Two. Wow 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 over over his um lecture. Right, mm-hmm. right. Gets gets into his head, and he goes to class and starts lecturing, and goes completely out of his head and starts ranting about how men and women should be having sex before marriage and, and stuff, <laughs> <laughs> and and just kind of goes into a trance the whole time, you know, encouraging premarital relations, mm-hmm. uh, which is scandalous in you know the forties, I'm sure. Definitely. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that. Um, I one of the things that kept coming up in the novel was the, you know, about two weeks, two weeks more, right. Um, because he has this fear of trucks, lorries, if you're lorries, in, yeah. in, in England, right? And at some point, he's sort of walking out. He's He's got the impulse to walk out in front of a truck. But then, then that, that thing comes into his subconscious. No, no, no. You know, two weeks from now, then we'll do that. Yeah. And that's what Tansy kind of gloms onto that and says, oh, I got to take this curse away from him before it, the clock strikes zero. And then then he has a very short amount of time to rescue her. Right, because right. it's going to make her do this in two days. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing we should point out is when when Tansy does this little bit of magic on him, she actually does several smaller episodes of magic even mm-hmm. after she gives up mm-hmm. all of her protective yeah. charms. Right. Um, well, one of one tying and things like that. Yeah, the knot tying, yeah, and which I think is cool. <laughs> Seth's favorite part of the entire book and maybe all the movies, mm-hmm. because uh, one of the other wives enchants 
a stone dragon from the side of the building mm-hmm. to go and attack them. And it, it yeah. kills their cat. Yes. <laughs> right. I remember writing that and saying, cat died. Seth is going to love this. <laughs> yep. That's why I um, the book. But then it, then it starts approaching the house and Tansy begins tying a series of knots. Well, knot work is, is an old charm. Mm-hmm. And she summons down seven strands of lightning and just blows the thing up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's there in their yard. Right. And everyone knows it's there. It's in the papers the next day. And it's kind of covered up. Right. As a, uh, a prank. As a prank, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yes. That's what I wish they had done in the movie. When we get there, I guess. I would have been, that would have been cool. But I guess it does kind of, uh, I guess it drives with the end of the movie, though, where like there wasn't really any damage to the door or his jacket or. You're yeah. talking the 62 movie. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Probably the I only did. one really worth talking about, but we'll get yeah, there. Well. I so um I did write down you know grim cat death. <laughs> yeah. So I mean that was that was pretty horrifying though. I mean it just smashed its head, right? Oh and, yeah. And I mean when you're a stone dragon you can do that. Yeah. So the other sympathetic magic she does is she takes the curse off Norman onto herself. Right. And when that happens uh uh, things change. Instead of having two weeks, she's got two days, mm-hmm. and she begins leaving Norman a set of notes. Right, and the notes but she's being pursued. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. or driven. Right, or you know, she says, "I can only write. I can only write." I thought it was watched. She was being watched. Yeah, yeah. When you know, and then she yeah. gets, she realizes she can get drunk, and then when right. she's relaxed, she can write more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she begins to leave him. Uh, this spell mm-hmm. and he has to collect all these components and do all these right. things and he gets the note kind of trickles out as he's following her to New Jersey mm-hmm. uh, where she had had a childhood fear of throwing herself in the ocean and drowning right right taking a long walk off a short pier yes yeah so then he he's able to use that formula to bring her back to him but mm-hmm. then there's the big dum 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 moment where she comes back to the door and says you were too late you were one minute too late yeah right. and and then there's a protracted scene or a series of events that have her soulless, but she's still animate, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. she can still speak, but it's not her, right? And she just keeps saying, I want my soul. I want my soul. Right. And this is where she reveals that all women everywhere are witches. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they call into the room. A uh, cleaning lady. A cleaning lady. Yeah. yeah. And Norman's hiding in the closet. <laughs> and Tansy begins to ask her a series of questions. And finally she asks her, do you know the way of getting things and some yeah. other catchphrase? And mm-hmm. she goes, well, we're not yeah. supposed to talk about it. Yeah. We're not supposed to talk about right. it. Yeah. yeah. And so if you can just call somebody off the street, <laughs> literally <laughs> off the street in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. and, and say, oh yeah, I do that. Hey, did you see in the, in the magazine version, like one of the taglines for the book was, you know, the mystery of women. What do they keep in those handbags? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like, th- there's the notion that he who walks behind, right? So it's this spiritual force. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's what's driving her at that, that point. But yeah, I mean, I, I think I agree with you, James, where like the novel is pretty slow in places, but that, that yeah. kind of latter half of it is, is compelling. Right. Um, right. And drives, like the, drives forward. Now, now that you mentioned going from the two weeks to two days, that might also have served to make it more fast-paced and compelling because he only has right. two days to find it. And then all of a sudden she's without her soul. And there was some mention in there where the soul can't last too long without the body and vice versa. So they like they were under pressure to get this done as soon as possible before yeah. the soul was no longer available yep. type of thing. Yeah, and you, you have some uh, some misdirection in there where there, there's the body swap switcheroo that goes on mm-hmm. where uh, – Evelyn Sawtell has the soul at some point. Right. And Norman sees her smile at him strangely right. and, and realizes later it's because Tansy was in there on a ride along. And then whatever her name was, Mrs. Carr. 
Right, ends up hijacking it. Yep. Um, because because she wants to swap bodies with Tansy because Tansy's young and beautiful. Exactly. Right. And, and Mrs. Carr's not. Right. And I like, you know, the whole, there's the part where she's like, you know, Mrs. Carr's much older than you think. You know, she's closer to 100 than to 80. And she's going to come here. I know she's going to come here. You have to be ready. You have to shoot her. And, you know, it's the the typical, like, body double kind of thing. You know, not me, idiot, shoot her, you know? And, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And where he re- recognizes a gesture from her, the, the way she shakes her head. And right. re- recognizes that she's actually on board in Mrs. Carr's body. And mm-hmm. so it all comes out okay. And bada bing, bada boom. Yep. Yeah. And then... Uh, well, and then, you know, fake Tansy in Evelyn or in uh, Mrs. Carr's body mm-hmm. gra- draws the other witches together so they can perform the spell, which swaps them back. Right. It doesn't swap them back. Mrs. Carr never gets her soul back. I, I don't believe she gets her soul no, back yeah, because no, they talk about how her, it, where, will her husband even notice? Yeah. That's, that's the way the book ends. Right. She doesn't get her soul back. They just put hers back in there and. Well, I don't know what happens to it. I guess. I, yeah, I don't know. Either. I mean, you could you could be right, but my my um, read on the implication of the last little like last right. paragraph of the book is that you know will um, what was it Harvey? Is that his name? No, that's Harvey Sawtell. Oh, that's right. So whatever her, whatever her husband's name is, um, yeah, will he ever notice? Yeah, will he even notice? Because he was like the one that was like super boring and yeah, all this other stuff. So the other part, and mm. you you referenced it, Colin the the. Um, Boiling down magic to its fundamental principles, right? By by comparing similar conjures from different cultures, um, and putting them into mathematic symbols, right? And then having one of the other professors simplify the equations down. Yeah, it's uh, Mrs. Carr's wife, a husband. Yes, right. Yeah. Now that would be a very modern take on it. Yes, Mrs. Carr's wife. <laughs> um, but, but of course, that's applying like you know male rationality to magic to improve it, right? And I'm like, oh, okay, that's another problematic thing. Yeah. <laughs> another problematic thing is, of course, the the way the cultures are referred to that the superstitions come from. There's there's very consistent right. use of the word Negro, which was it a polite term? In, in the 40s? I, I don't know. It's it's not the kind of thing anybody our age ever said, right? Right. So so I, I see that word. And I'm like, yeah. that's, yeah. Are we allowed to say that? I, I don't think so. Yeah, they all, they all come from uncivilized cultures. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, primitives. Primitive cultures. Primitives. Yeah. yeah. Superstitious. Anyhow, I, I mean, I thought it was a pretty enjoyable read, other than the fact that it's extremely sexist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So probably if you're a dude, you could read this one and kind of chuckle at it a little bit. And if your wife reads it, she'll probably just be burning the entire time. Burn, book burn. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> All right. So shall we talk about some of the movies? Sure. Let's talk about the, the first one, the <laughs> earliest one. You want to go in order? Yes. Okay. So this is the 1944 one with Lon Chaney. All right. Weird woman. Weird, weird woman. She was kind of weird, but... <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, weird is an old... It, it has yeah, a connotation with I, witchcraft, I, right? Yeah. The weird sisters from Harry mm-hmm. Potter. Yeah, yeah. Anybody who marries a professor that old, you just got to <laughs> ask yourself, right? Yeah. Why? Yeah, that was a little... Yeah. That was a James little texted the other day and said, I watched The Weird Woman and the movie. <laughs> uh, this one has a 6.4 on IMDb, so pretty well regarded... You know, yeah, I thought it was actually going to be better than it was because of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a very brief movie. It's barely over an hour. Yes. Yeah. And this this was one I got from the library, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. where where it had the um, oh, what was the? It was part of like Inner Sanctum set. Mysteries or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, which is kind of like a night gallery or something where each one I think was introduced by this head in a jar. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Oh um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, that's the only thing that our library had related to this at all. You know, that's a little surprising because this novel has been printed 
there have been 12 printings of it continuously since its original publication. Hmm. We should fill out a purchase request. Yeah, we should. Yeah. yeah. I mean, especially since it just got the retro Hugo. Yeah. Oh, right. Like that article that you sent us. Do you remember that? <laughs> Which was all the different covers oh, the pu- and the yeah, publication history? Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, fascinating. Yeah. I'll put that in the show that, notes. That was neat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was a history of the way the covers kind of revealed the biases mm-hmm. of the publishers at the time, what they wanted right. to put forward, you know, yeah. the, the damsel in distress, or is it the wicked mm-hmm. woman kind of thing where, where it looks like a very Stephen King kind of cover? Right. Yeah. Anyhow, 1944. 1944. This is the first case we have where most of the names are different. Yes. I think Norman is yeah. still Norman, right? But everybody else. He was still Norman, but his last name was different. And then pretty much everybody else. There was still an Evelyn in there and a Sawtell, but. Yeah, but there's no Tansy. It's Paula. No, right. Bunch of names got changed. Yeah. <laughs> um, Ilona instead of Flora, I think. Well, the question, you know, who is Ilona? Yeah. Um, so th- this this movie takes a really interesting tack. And it takes the, this is all BS tack to yes. the witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, it's all it's all ridiculous. What was it? Delicious feminine logic from the fly. Right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what Emily kept referencing. Yep. <laughs> yeah. In fact, all the witchcraft is is merely Ilona behind the scenes, uh, socially poisoning people against uh, Norman right, and Paula. Right. right, because she's jealous that that she was she was pining for Norman for a long time. Then he goes right. off to the pagan islands and meets this pretty little thing. It looks like he went to Hawaii. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Well, yeah, that's so that's 1944 movie, right? Are you going to do your job and ca- make a diverse cast there right. or are most of your natives going to be white people with some makeup Pretty on, much. with dark tans? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that was Yeah, that was yeah and that's told in flashback, right? It shows a flashback of of that. Mm-hmm. The movie is full to the rim with voiceover that drives me absolutely crazy. I mean, voiceover <laughs> can be good. It can be done well. And it can be done not well. Well, it, it right. wasn't narrative voiceover. It was, I'm thinking voiceover. It, yeah, it was interior monologue, which is great in a book and not yeah. great in a movie. You, like, you have him talk to somebody. Have him actually speak to someone. Right. But he, he can't. But then he would have been communicating with his wife. Yeah. No, no. He, he definitely <laughs> yeah. wouldn't have been. He <laughs> or another woman, for that matter. You no. can't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> if you have these doubts about your wife's sanity and what she's doing, you can't talk to someone about that. I don't know. You could talk to a shrink. Doctor patient came confidentiality, you know, uh, maybe. I don't know. But then you're talking to a shrink and a yeah. shrink, a shrink talking to a shrink. Yeah. Yeah, I I am just saying I I think there's a, a way to access that interior monologue better than voiceover. So not when you have a cast of like five people. Well that that is true, right? <laughs> this this is a small production. Lon Chaney's the main dude. Mm-hmm. He has this much hotter wife who's much younger than him. Much younger. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. Jeez, please. <laughs> so you can kinda of understand why people would be like, oh, that's a little skeezy. Yeah. yeah. Just a little bit. Alona seemed much more appropriate. <laughs> yeah. And and like Colin said, right? This is the skeptic's version yeah, yeah, of, of the story. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Not really a witch's version of it. Yeah. So. Although a bunch of the stuff still holds true. Yeah. So um, the instant he burns all of her stuff, you know, he gets the unrequited love from the student and the other student accusing him. Uh, although I think that's where the, the entanglement between Jenkins and... Uh, the young girl comes from, yeah. and that that carries through a couple of the other movies, right? Yeah, that's yeah. That, that's one of the things I always find interesting about uh, a book with multiple adaptations, where you end up with some stuff that clearly they're like, we're going to go closer to the source, but then they also pull in some things from the movie that they're remaking. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's a half readaptation, half remake, mm-hmm. where you see threads that it always seems pull weird. through. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I kind of I like it though. I like in a remake movie, I do like some nods back to 
whatever the original was, even if it was, you know, less than faithful. Like in the thing, I, I just wanted one reference to the thing being a carrot, you know, a vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> that was a case that we didn't, we didn't need that nod, and I'm glad we didn't get it. No. Colin and I were talking about, you know, the kind of the essentials of adaptation for this. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that Colin really wanted to see was burning all the stuff, but there being one thing held back, and that when that thing was destroyed, then everything was set off. And this movie right. does have that, so... That's that's like one of the little bits of can, uh, canonicity that it has. The nineteen forty four yeah. movie, mm-hmm. yeah. In yeah. fact, I think they all have that. Yeah, they all have it to some extent. Yeah, but in the book, it's something Norman does without Tansy's knowledge, right? Like she she knows she held something back, and then finds out that he destroyed it. Where in in some of the movies, she's right there when he does it. Yeah. So the, the there's the point in in the story where. The disgruntled student who is getting bad grades threatens him with a gun. Yep. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, ends up basically shooting himself. Because they struggle. Yeah, they, they struggle. struggle and right. Yeah, and, there, and there's just that, like, I mean, did they not have justifiable homicide in 1944? <laughs> like, dude attacked you with a gun, and if he ends up dead, right? I don't think that you go up for murder. Mm. But it still looks bad. <laughs> it still, yeah. yeah, one, it still looks bad. And two, he's lost his protections, and so he no right. longer has... The benefit of the doubt. Yeah. His oh, incredible yeah. luck. Right, right. Huh. You know, from the 1980 movie, right? Mm-hmm. He's a habitual speeder. <laughs> right. And the instant she loses all those charms, yeah. he drives off right. and gets we'll, a ticket. We'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. What did we think of this movie? 1944? <laughs> yeah. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was terrible. I So I will say, just across the board, I enjoyed all three movies. That doesn't mean I think really? they were all good. I don't think the 1944 one was very good. Yeah, no. But for its time, you know, it was fine. I wasn't a fan of Long Chaney, I suppose. Mm. And the voiceovers. The voiceovers and his overacting was a bit much. Yeah. Okay. It's 1944. All yeah. they had was overacting. Right. Well, yeah, that's the interesting thing, too, to, to look at the differences in the ger- dramatic sensibility from 1944 yeah. to 1962. Because e- I feel like yeah. each one of these is very much a product of their time. Sure. And yeah. so so in 1944, yeah, the overacting, you have this quality scream mm-hmm. and faint when there's the the death chant, which just sounds like you know, <laughs> Polynesian singing, you know? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> it doesn't even sound vaguely creepy. Um, it, like, it doesn't sound like I would think a death chant would sound, but... Oh, they're at a luau. Yeah. They're death chanting the pig before they eat it. <laughs> mm. Pig. Pork. <laughs> Anything else we want to talk about about this one, or should we move on? I think we should move on yeah. to something better. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we do move on to something better, at least putting my cards on the table here. Yep. The 1962 movie, Burn Witch Burn, alternate title, Night of the Eagle. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, 79% tomato meter, 65% audience, actually, was better liked by the critics than audiences, and 6.9 on IMDb, so better right. regarded than... And four and a half stars on Amazon. <laughs> oh, was it? Yep. <laughs> yeah. I really like this movie. But yeah. I mean, as an adaptation, I like I liked it quite a bit. Though I watched all the movies before I read the book, so so <laughs> nice. like I know what I think of them as movies outside of the adaptational gotcha. considerations. Fair enough. Fair it enough. makes me worry about Seth James. He's out there he watching movie after movie. He does his backwards quite often. He does. I do. I do. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to wonder, you know, what's what's truth in life? Is this yeah. is this what the movie? Is this what the book is going to be like? Or maybe it's this one. <laughs> or maybe it's neither one of them at all. Yeah. He's ruining our single source of truth. No, it kind it kind of makes it fun to. I mean, it's the opposite of what you do during a movie where 
what tends to happen, right? With general people, they read a book mm-hmm. and then then they come into the movie with a checklist of things that they want to see in the movie, right? And we do it. By sometimes. people, you we're, mean we're, me? Yeah, we'll 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 like go fist bump in a movie when something happens that we're like, yes, yes. That, that should have been in here. Um, but I'm doing the opposite. I'm I'm looking for the stuff that happened in the movies. I'm looking mm-hmm. for any any seed of them in the book, and it makes it kind of fun. Mm. Yeah, so you're really trying to re- redeem a movie rather than tear mm-hmm. it down. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, one little bit of trivia about this. Peter Cushing was originally going to be the star of this movie. Oh, was he really? Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. But yeah. yeah he could, the schedule didn't work out. So they ended up with the, the other guy and I don't know his name. Huh. This one is written by Richard Matheson, co-written by Richard Matheson, right. Matheson George Baxt, and Charles Beaumont. And um, I know I know I've heard Charles Beaumont's name quite a bit, but Richard Matheson, Matheson. obviously. Yeah. Right? He, he wrote a lot of Twilight Zone. And it has kind of some of that feel to it. Yeah. Well, also, I Am Legend and a, and a whole host of other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, obviously. We've got a, a chunk in our database of like, you know, 15 or 20 lines of things that he's written that's been <laughs> yes. adapted. Yep. I thought we had that many. I didn't realize it was that many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got, he's got yeah. a number of novels yeah. as well as the all the Twilight Zone stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Right. And short stories. Good point. Lots of short stories. Yeah. Well, he did the Robot Rocky one, right? Yeah, oh, right. Real Steel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so the 1962 movie. Uh, highly canonical. Yeah, I mean, point yeah. after point after yeah. point. I was like, "Wow, this is really this is coming from here. This is mm-hmm. coming from here." Um, for the first seventy five percent or so. <laughs> yeah, and then so it's really only. Then I got disappointed. Yeah, it's Tansy kind of against Mrs. Carr. Yeah, at least it was Tansy though. Yeah, although it did bring in a nice scene about the Stone Eagle, and given the technology yeah, of the time, they did it a really good job. Because mm-hmm. today it would be done with CGI, cool. and and. <laughs> What they ended up doing, they had an eagle on a string. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, a, a tow, not a tow rope, maybe a keeping line or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, it doesn't fly to her and get into the scaffolding. Yeah. Or whatever, probably. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's big. It's statue size. So mm-hmm. yeah. not, not a it's little tiny eagle. And so yeah. to give you that sense of perspective, they use a bunch of camera tricks. And then did you notice that when they were in the building, James, mm-hmm. that uh, he ran down a hallway and then there was this giant shadow, eagle right? shadow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that is perfect. Perfect. Very well done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing. I feel like this movie is just technically much better Mm -hmm. than the 1944 one. And it could be just partly of the time. I thought it was shot well. Yeah. uh, Directed well, like you were saying. Yeah. And I actually like the actors this time around. Mm -hmm. Might have been the British accent. I don't know. Right. They sounded more. They sounded more intelligent. It does make them a bit more classy. Yes. A little more classy. Although I think there was some classism happening here too. How's that? Well, Jennings, the student who never does his homework, is Irish. Right. Is, yeah. is, well, I thought he was American. <laughs> oh no, no. Well, I think he was trying to do American, but he's definitely Irish. So okay, not English. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there was the English people and the not English people, but Tansy right. also sounds has an American accent. Yes. And so the people who have dubious hmm. mm-hmm. beliefs maybe right. aren't fully trustworthy. Right. Right. They're yeah. not English. Although Flora Carr had an accent. So that's, this is, yeah, she was, well, she, was, she, was she was female. English. So, yeah. It was either English or like the mid-Atlantic <laughs> accent. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the classic kind of 1940s cinema accent. Cinema. Like um, <laughs> Charles Emerson Winchester. Yes. <laughs> he has an affectation. Yeah. Th- there's several times in here where I'm like, oh, I really like what they did with the directorial choices. I really liked mm-hmm. in, in the kind of car pursuit. I liked that POV thing. It, liked, it made it look like he was driving just, you know, hellbent, you know, right. balls to the wall. Um, I really liked, yeah, what they did with the eagle. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you would have rather seen a dragon. Um, but if they did a dragon, it would be in like Harryhausen and, <laughs> and that could have been nasty. Yeah. So this way they're, they're like, you know what, if we do an eagle. Yeah. I don't know if they could have got a dragon on a tow rope. 
Um, yeah, I don't. They, they are. <laughs> their union is so strong. Catch a dragon by the tail. Um, yeah, exactly. Um, then we have to learn how to train your dragon. But yeah, yeah, I was I was surprised how well they. <laughs> I was surprised what a good job they did with the special effects for the eagle. Other than that right. first shot of it swooping down, where you can see the ropes. Yes, um, <laughs> right. Well, and with the light, I don't see how you could miss it. Because it's going to be back yeah. underlit. It's yeah, right, right where the camera is. We should go down there and play it in standard definition and see if we can figure it out. <laughs> Ooh, that's true. We did watch it in HD. We, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure it's meant to be watched that versus, way. Versus the next one movie we're going to talk about. Sheesh. <laughs> yeah. Oy. But, uh, yeah. Um, so <laughs> Don't forget the hairy chest. Can't You can't not say anything about the hairy chest. That's fantastic. It was. I mean, yeah. and Emily noticed it, but even I was like, whoa. Yeah. 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 He's a figure of a man. <laughs> well, she was trying to figure out, right? Why does she want to die for this guy? He's a douche. Right. <laughs> um, and, and that's part of the problem, right? And I was trying to pin Emily down on this about, do mm. you just, like, she's giving D's and F's to everything. I'm like, is that just because you don't like Norman <laughs> or because you don't think the movie was good? And she could not get past the the sexism underlying everything in the movie. Right. And I totally get it. It completely makes sense. You know, I mean, yep. for, for a woman, she is surprisingly free of rationality, irrationality. <laughs> 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 so the, the part of this movie that's missing, of course, is you don't really have anything explicitly saying that her soul was stolen. Right. right. There is a point where she's controlled via voodoo, voodoo, voodoo magic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Or she tries to Norman Bates him, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And during that time, she's not walking like herself. She's walking like the lady that's controlling her. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I thought that was a nice affectation. You asked me if I noticed it, and I'm, I thought yes. And then I was wondering. Well, it was pretty obvious. Is like, does she have like a charm in her shoe right. or something? Or <laughs> no, no, no. Just she's limping, and that means she's being controlled. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, that's the. I feel like if you had gone more canonical with the book and done the head shake thing, it's a little harder to get an audience to pick out a head shake than a limp. Mm. A limp's a little more in your face. Right. Yeah. I mean, so, they only yeah. have an hour and a half or two hours to mm. have us introduce the, the physicality of a character that yeah. you would recognize, oh, this is the way this person mm-hmm. moves right. and, and talks. And, and when we get to the 1981, I like the way they handled that in, in that one. So one of the things you liked was um, there's, there's that common thread of the something being some kind of sound manipulating Norman, right? Right. With the, with the mm. tape. And that's when he's getting chased by the eagle and his house is on fire. And, and yes. Um, and, and they he, substituted theremin for bull roar. Right. Yes. yes. And, and he ends up in his classroom where he has on the board, I do not believe with not circled. Right. Yeah. And then they cut back to it after the music stops and he's erased the not, I do believe, yeah. which, which right. I thought was interesting. And that's, Partially to go with the voiceover from the beginning and the, you know, the end. Do you believe? You know, mm-hmm. do you believe? Mm-hmm. And it's a quality villain death. I, I like the the way, I like the fact oh. that the eagle fell on Flora. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if you if you weren't going to do all the body swap magic. Got to do something. Then, yeah, had to do something. Had to, had to get her, have her get her comeuppance in some way. So, yeah. No, I like this one. I like, I thought the acting was good. I thought the mm-hmm. the writing was good and the directing was good. So, I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. The one thing that, uh, so I'm going to hold this one to a pretty high standard because so many of the movies have been really canonical. Yeah. Tansy does not know whether or not what she's doing is real or not. Right. And after Norman destroys all of her things, she's really appreciative. Oh, thank you. That's such a huge weight off my shoulders, which kind of feeds into the whole, you know, misogynist narrative that's going You're on. Talking right? in the book. In the book. Yeah. Right. There is no doubt in any of the movies that right. the Tansies. 
right or or, or margaret's or whoever they are be- believe that they are committed they're doing witchcraft right right tangy's kind of doing this it's almost like a nerve it's a superstition mm-hmm. it's not an act right. of will it's a well doing this makes me feel better right maybe it's not doing anything but might as well do it anyway right yeah and part of that i think is different in a book you can kind of have that you can get in her head and have her think that way right i'm mm-hmm. not sure if it was ever doing anything but Although that wasn't really in her head. That was in a conversation with her and Norman. Yeah. 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 And it always makes me wonder, is she, is she kowtowing to him? Mm-hmm. Or is she really, 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 truly, you know, um, thankful this is over? Because as the bad things begin to happen, because she's lost all of her charms, she right. has no sense of magic anymore. Right. So. You mean in the book, right? In the book. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where in this one, in the 62 one, you did have that moment where they they're on the phone and the the sound is playing over the phone which i like that you know there's a reference to the novel um something happening over the phone right the phone's trying to grab them in the novel you, you don't ever get that right but you get the notion that the phone has to be put off the hook in some way in order to prevent it um but after all that happens then then she's she is definitely pandering to him and saying you know it was just a coincidence that the the lights went out you know they, mm-hmm. oh yeah you know, yeah, yeah. You know Definitely. you're not worried about me now right <laughs> yeah i wasn't sure if that was she was, that was pandering or if she was uh getting back at him throwing his own words at him oh everything's fine right nothing this is all coincidence <laughs> That's right what i was thinking really yeah, yeah. okay yeah, in yeah. fact there was one other time that happened in the novel where uh, where they mention, you know, miss, you know, will her, will her husband even recognize that she's different? I thought yeah. it was because she wouldn't practice magic anymore, oh, okay. not because she hadn't got her soul yeah. back. Mm. Yeah, but, that uh, that's all interpretation. Yeah, right. It isn't essential to the plot. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think to your point about doubting herself, it was she kind of expressed that in her introduction to magic, right? When she was talking about how she would have killed herself to save him in, on the island. Yes, right. She would sacrifice. But since for then, him. she's already gained her, you know, confidence and power and blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, and he's so successful. They have a nice house. Mm. They have a, an incredible car. They live in England. Yeah. A temple. Well, why don't we move on to the much more groovy. The groovy yeah, version. it's groovy, baby. Yeah. Well, so what's the general take of this movie? It sounds pretty positive from the way people are talking. Yeah. But yeah. 1962? Like 1962. Yeah. Like it. Yeah. I like those four stars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 1980, which is brew. Not containing any brews, no potions whatsoever. Oh, I, I had some brews. <laughs> well, no. <laughs> she, she paints the it with guano. that combination of blood and bat guano and right. Right. Guess, you know pig urine and who knows what else. Yeah. Actually, cat, I may have written it urine. down. So th- this one, I don't know if you guys, did you do any Googling guano, about this one? cat urine, and lamb's blood. It, yeah, ram's blood, cat urine, and bat guano. Lamb's blood. Lamb's blood. Not ram. Not lamb. ram. Lamb. Lamb. Younger. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I wrote down the first line by notes here. Groove into the title song. <laughs> yes. It, it, it's kind of. Um, I did like blo- the music in this movie. Yeah. It, it was, was bluesy cool. funk, and they've got a lot of brass and sax. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's just it, really good. Yeah. There was definitely some disco in there. And the reason yeah. is this movie was shot in 1978. And yet it wasn't released oh, really? until 1980. And wow. it never got a theatrical release. Oh. So how was it? Was it huh. like straight to VCR or yeah. straight to television? I mean, so or? I wrote down. The first director was fired halfway through filming in 1978, and then there were additional scenes filled in 1979. I think that the Lucifer egg was a separate thing. That's my, like, if you ask me which part of this movie was filmed at a different time, that's the part I think was different. It might have got the first guy fired, though. You never know. That's true. And and there was some editing mess, never got a theatrical release, premiered on television, and and then on home video in 1985. Oh, Lucifer egg thing did seem kind of... Random. Yeah. Didn't quite fit. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, I mean, it does have a lot of commonalities with the book, right? Colin texted mm. me, holy canonicity, Batman. <laughs> um, uh, where <laughs> It was thing after thing after thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, th- this is case study number one mm. in canonicity d- does not make it a good movie. <laughs> um, I enjoyed this one kind of because to me it read like a comedy. But then when I ba- went back and watched it again, I'm like, but it's not funny. Well, you no. watched this twice? I did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That guy was so obnoxious, though. Yeah. So this oh is Terry gosh. Gar in her prime, beautiful Terry Gar, and yeah. Richard Benjamin, who looks like a slightly better looking Rowan Atkinson. Slightly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. And yeah. obnoxious as hell. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, but he, he does it really well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. It's hard to know whether it's his, just the way he acts or if he's he's playing the character up well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah because he's true. like, maybe if you spend a little more time yeah. trying to be a wife than a witch. You know? <laughs> yeah, no wonder Emily didn't like that. Yeah. Oh, no, she was off the rails for this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is funny because, like, you'd think maybe some of the gender politics stuff would mm-hmm. change from 1940 into 1980. But not a lick. <laughs> no, not at all. Nope. So that's why yeah. I think this one is absolutely ripe for a remake, because you you could make a version of this movie where the man gets his comeuppance for not listening to his wife, you know, and in the end, or he comes around to saying, maybe, yeah. <laughs> gender swapped. Right. Um, but like I was saying to Emily, I'm like, men would believe that all women were witches. You could get the male audience right. to believe that. I don't think you get female. Yeah, probably not. Audience to believe it. They already know. Men are not complicated. <laughs> that's just what I'm saying. <laughs> Names are all different in this one, right? It's it's. Uh, right. I mean, he's still Norman. No, 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 no. He's um, no, he's. Yeah, I, don't, I remember what is it? That. It's uh, Jeff, Joshua, Joshua, Joshua. Yeah. and Margaret Lightman. Right. Yep. Yeah. So all the names are different. You still do have Mrs. No, no, you don't have Mrs. Carr. You have Vivian, played by Lana Turner. This is Lana Turner's final movie. Oh, so sad. Oh, really? Not a good way no. to go out. Yeah. No. Yeah. Probably could have killed her. Could have, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Seth, I've been thinking about this. So, we didn't watch the movies in release order. Uh, in fact, we probably you watched all three movies in some order. Mm-hmm. I watched 44, 80, and then just 62 this mm-hmm. morning. Yeah. And I think I understand what makes the, the 44 and the 62 movie so much better than the 80 movie. Exactly. You're not going to agree with me on this. Wait, it's, what? Is the 44 movie is better than the 80 movie? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yes, it's because but, but there's music. voiceover in 44 and 62. <laughs> no, you're talking about in 62 when you're talking about the opening voiceover? Yes, there's okay. four minutes of diatribe yeah. in the beginning. Well, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, that's just like having an opening crawl, right? So yeah. in that kind of voiceover, I'm like, okay, we don't need this, but... It doesn't offend me the same way that that right. interior monologue stuff does. But No, but see, in 1980, didn't have any of that. And look what you get. Yeah. Look. True. True. Are you buying it? Not a bit of it. Okay. One of the bits of canonicity in this one that I liked was the whole trying to break down the equations where where Vivian has her grandson. Oh, yeah. Show to the computer. Do that work on the computer. (laughs) Yes. Because it's... That was a a nice nod, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's 1980 or 1978. So computers exist. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas in the novel, the computer was a man. Right. And he did a pretty good job of it. Yeah. It was a very long list of so this movie starts off with a lot of showing how successful he is and the fact that he's a mm-hmm. consistent speeder but the speed gun yeah, doesn't like work that, when, he, like when he tries to go by <laughs> us um, this movie is a bit more overt about how the magic and charms are working for him yes with yeah. the, with the cutting himself shaving and stuff. right yeah <laughs> yeah and but, he's, but he's also an active participant in this one which he wasn't in the others any three actually the book or the movies right yeah well and and this one comes the closest to him at the end going okay fine this stuff's real, mm-hmm. you know. Let's let's um, let's use it to make a baby. 
What do you want? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> like, what do I yeah. have to do? Stay here all, all night? Not all night. <laughs> can't do everything, you know. <laughs> you know, that, that's that, that's what how that's how his accident starts, right? She wants yeah. him to stay out to perform some ritual, and mm-hmm. I think it's the one for his to get him the, the uh, chairmanship. The, the chairman. chairmanship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he just he's had it at that point. Right. Goes in and takes a shower. Right. Yeah. Although the other interesting thing about this movie Actually, I think there are a couple. Is it, it gender swaps Jennings and the student? Yes. So uh, instead of there being a male student that's accusing him of forcing him out of the university and a lady, a young woman student that says, you know, I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. He gets a phone call from a guy saying that he's in love with him. Oh, right, and this right, girl right, starts right, right. Uh, trying to uh, assassinate him with a right. rifle. She's and, a crack shot with that rifle, by the way. Oh, she can hit squat. Yeah. <laughs> That oh, was, wait, that first shot was right in front of his head in the in the windshield. Yeah, yeah. but what you see, <laughs> you handled a rifle and yeah. shot her off, right? That's the way she was shooting it with like, yeah, you know, yeah. four inches of recoil yeah, well, and two yeah. inches up, there was no yeah. way. <laughs> shooting from the hip. Well, that's why I was, that's funny because when she went to go aim and all that stuff, I'm like, she's not going to hit shit. And then, <laughs> and then when it actually starts hitting stuff, I'm like, oh, damn. <laughs> she's a crack shot after all. Yeah. <laughs> Until you go back and see how she's shooting. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, we haven't really talked about the whole Me Too angle of this, right? Where in a couple right. of these movies and in the book, there's a, there's an accusation of sexual impropriety on, right. on Norman, the Norman character. And in mm-hmm. in the 1980 right. movie, right. It, it's accused by a male student yeah. that, that he that he took advantage of him. Mm-hmm. And if you remade this movie now, I feel like you couldn't necessarily have that plot point in it. Because you're not – I don't think anybody's going to make a movie now that shows that he didn't do anything. And he was being falsely accused because that that would support the narrative that there are a lot of false accusations out there, which has never been shown to be the case. Right. There are, of course, false accusations, but generally having the conviction that, well, I'm going to I'm going to believe the woman who's accusing him is usually the right way to go. And in this movie, it's not because it's magic reasons. Right. (laughs) Right. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with showing a false accusation as long as if you have to be absolutely sure that it's false. In the 1962 movie, Mm -hmm. she accused him of uh, making love to her Saturday night. Well, Saturday night she was with Jennings and he was with her, his wife. And so it was Mm -hmm. demonstrated that that could not happen. Yeah. But I'm I'm just saying that even doing that, just the having a false accusation kind of leans in the direction of there are a lot of false accusations. I mean, it would be seen that way. I, I think that's the way it would be received and people would pan it because of that. I mean, Emily was furious about that. Um, you know, just just yeah. cut that part out. It, like he should have never brought in the room in the first place, let yeah. alone getting brought in the room. And then he gets left alone with her. Kind of, well, I mean, yeah. halfway alone with her. Yeah. And then he touches her and it's like, oh my God. Yeah. So many things wrong with this scene. Yes. Well, I mean, she, she's, she's a poor, suffering, irrational woman. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the uncomfortable reality of it mm-hmm. is, yeah. And then she, she goes out of there, you know, I hate you, you know, which is right out of the book. Yep. So, yeah. Okay. I, I would give you that point. There, yeah. No need to be, no need to give people ammunition. Yeah. And that's what it would do. So, even with the best of intentions, mm-hmm. even, even showing a false accusation, I think would be received wrong. Right. And so you shouldn't do it. I mean, you should go into it knowing this is not going to be received well. Just, just cut that out. Do something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's any number of other things you could do. Like you could do the um, the ethics angle of the um, the thesis. That's that's really similar to his that got buried. Sure. Um, that one is absolutely oh, yeah. the right thing. Did that thing. come out in any of the movies? Actually, oh. it did come into one of them. It came into the 1944 one, but it was different because oh, right. it was one of the other professors 
who was going to be found out about that because because uh, his work was based on somebody's previous work that had yeah. not been published. Right. His right. wife henpecked him so much, which is something that movie did well. It yeah. had the multiple other professors mm-hmm. and, that were a group and their wives that were a separate group. Yeah. Right. Um, and one of them was definitely henpecked. Yeah. In fact, I think it was uh, Sautel, Hervey, the guy yeah. who becomes the, the head. Harvey. Like, like, like Barkley. I would swear that in the book it's Hervey, but it's I could with, be wrong. It's with an E, but it's probably still Harvey. Harvey. Yes. Uh, like, yeah. like, like, um, the word Berkeley, like Berkeley, California. There, there's a, I, can't, I think it's a famous scientist. Might, might have been a philosopher, but it's pronounced Berkeley. Well, there is actually a Berkeley in England. That's what it's spelled about. like Berkeley. No. Okay. It's spelled there's, like you'd expect it to be spelled. Yeah. And there's a the Berkeley in Star Trek too. <laughs> we should, we should get Phil to comment on <laughs> a, a name that's spelled H E R V Y or E Y. Yeah. Um, are you going to pronounce that Harvey or Hervey? It was, it was Harvey in the 1962 film. But it looks like I pronounce Herbie. it Herbie, and I think of a car, <laughs> <laughs> a small car, German-made, perhaps. Yes, perhaps. <laughs> made you think of going bananas. <laughs> it's not the size of the car; it's how you drive it. Right. <laughs> right. So what else? Yeah. So it's got some. The nineteen eighty movie has some really bad special effects. It does. Uh, yeah. I don't know that I can fault the acting a lot. I think the people acted fairly well. Sure. Um, even to the point where. Uh, Joshua Norman mm-hmm. is is being a jerk. He's really he's good. Really he's really believable yeah. as a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> he, um, he portrays the yeah. hell out of that. So, yeah. so I, I think the fault was probably in low production value. Yeah, <laughs> and not a great script. Yeah, probably not. Is this where I, I put in the rant about Lucifer is not the devil? Just if you want, yeah, yeah. insert yeah. that here. Yeah. The, the there's very little evidence from the actual Bible that Lucifer refers to the devil. I'm just saying. There's lots of theologians out there who will tell you that it did. I I don't see it. I've 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 studied the Bible a lot, and I <laughs> that same name, essentially Daystar, is attributed to Jesus in different parts. So Daystar, Daystar, Lucifer, oh. um, particularly Light, in uh, right in, Isaiah, right? Yeah, Isaiah 28. Where was Isaiah? It's either Isaiah 28 and Ezekiel 14, or Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel 28. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's the, the two famous passages passages that seem to indicate a, a fall of a. A creature of light, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but in the, when it was tra- when the Bible was translated into Latin, mm-hmm. instead of oh no, no, it was translated into Latin, and that title, "Son of the Morning" or you know, "Light Bringer," Lucifer was the kind of name attached to it. It wasn't really a name. Uh, but then when it was translated into the King James, yep. they kept that and didn't translate it right. to what it meant. So, so then it made it look like a name, and so people are like, "Oh, that's a, that's a thing." Bible nerd. Uh, <laughs> Ranch there, so multi-dimensional nerd. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's like a religious telephone. <laughs> <laughs> More or less, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that can Basically, happen in translation, yeah. right? Yep, yep, yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, this one is the one that comes closest to having the actual soul. I mean, it has the soul stealing thing, right? The body swap, does, right? Yeah. Yeah. Although not because Tansy kills herself, right? So in in the book, the way the soul swap is explained is she throws herself in the ocean. She's dying. That allows the soul that allows her soul to be taken. Mm-hmm. And then later on, there's a, a soul hop, so that he thinks he's got his wife back, but it's really Mrs. Carr in a younger body. Right. Right. Here. Oh yeah, he totally knocks boots with Vivian. Right. Oh yeah, he does. <laughs> when, when, when she's in his wife's body. Oh yeah, oh. yeah, totally. Yep. <laughs> uh, she. Uh, Margaret is going to drive off a pier, and then stops mm-hmm. because he does the magic and then she comes home and she's so happy she takes a shower and mm-hmm. she gets him in the shower right. so it's almost a vivian lee kind of mm-hmm. psycho scene yep. but with magic and soul swapping and yes right. and, and kudos to terry gar's acting because she mm-hmm. actually seems like a different person yeah 
She's standing there kind of looking and she's like, wow, no wrinkles, you know, perky <laughs> things. Yes. Joshua is very oversexed in this, in this movie. Um, <laughs> I like that at some point he says something like, you know, I know I married you for, for a reason. And then, then they, they both like skip dinner because they'd ordered pizza and it doesn't come. That's one of the things that happens because the magic. Oh, um, and, and so then they do their first little ritual with the, with the drink where they say, you know, through the lips and over the gums, look out stomach, here it comes, right? That's that's the tell later. Right. When Vivian doesn't get it. Um, but <laughs> they take it and they're like, right, yep, go to bed. <laughs> and then it cuts to them in bed together. And he's like, uh, the other reason. <laughs> and then, of course, the phone starts ringing. And like, yeah, I've never answered the phone uh, no. in that situation. The phone can ring. It's not that important. It's not that important. Try being on call, though. Mm. But he, as a professor, he wouldn't be on call, right? No. No, no way. I, nope. I wouldn't think so. Finish, finish the sexy times, then you can return yeah. calls. At the end of this one, I kind of liked the little fake out. You think maybe Joshua died of that head wound? Hoped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I, I would kind of have liked to have seen this one get the Twilight Zone ending, where you think everything has come out okay, and then you find out right before the credits roll that... Vivian actually won, and she's in Terry's oh, body. Like she opens up a mirror, and you see Vivian's face instead yeah. of Margaret's. Yeah, that would have been sweet. So it would have been canon, though. It wouldn't have been, but but <laughs> I don't know. I, I I feel like that's an acceptable adaptational choice when you already have two adaptations of the, of the book. But if you go back to the central premise of the story, it's is this witchcraft real or not? Right, and. I, in the 1980s movie, because of the special effects, I don't think there's any doubt that it's real. Right. It's portrayed as real from the get-go, and right. you know he's participating in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's more about the foolishness of not trusting his wife mm-hmm. versus, you know, is, is magic real? And I think that's the wrong take on this story. Yeah. And of course, you know, like like the book, he kind of gets the hero moment where he, he rescues her mm-hmm. using her instructions. And it's very similar to what was in the book, um, he, where, yes. where he has to get the yeah. flannel and the, and the grave dirt and the platinum tip of a pen and, <laughs> yes. and the, and the, um, the, the record yeah, <laughs> at the right. store. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the record needle that's only played a particular thing, the, which the, by the way, I, I, did you ever listen to, um, Scriabin's, what was it? Um, Scriabin's ninth sonata. Hmm. It is hot garbage. It, is it really? <laughs> it's just, it sounds like a cat <laughs> on that got loose on the top of a piano. It's very modern. Well, now I'm going to find it. Yeah. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. It, um, yeah. I listened to it while I was reading the book. I, oh, I, I found, it on, found it on YouTube and, and turned it on while I was reading that part. And I'm like, dang, this is nasty music. But So do you ever wonder what today's form of magic would look like? The, the form of magic they have back then. Freaky Friday. Maybe yeah. Freaky Friday. But, you know, so we don't use pens and we don't use record players. Mm. Right. And... Uh, who's got just flannel in their house for generic reasons? Because people don't sew or make their own clothing or yeah, or house decorations. Do. Emily does. Elaine does. Yeah. Right, Kathy does too. Although that's what I thought was interesting. Okay, so this is, that was one interesting part I found in the 1980 movie um, was because I think in the book and also in one of the other movies they do a lot of drawing, but in the 80s movie she's using the Polaroid to take the picture of the egg and then drawing the runes on that. White portion of the Polaroid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that was actually kind of neat. It's kind of a more a modern take on some of the stuff that they did in the book and the with moving the dragon. Yeah. Using photographs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I thought that was kind of cool, actually. Yeah. 
So you were you were saying what what would be in that pouch of, of things? What would you make it out of? Yeah, would you have like a thumb drive and some RAM chips right. and <laughs> solder sucker? Right. Uh, get, take an iPhone case that's only been used, right. you know, to play Pharrell. You know? Yes, but only one with with rhinestones on it. You need a rhinestone right. iPhone case. And that's to blind your enemies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, maybe sure. some. Uh, some single source espresso beans. Right. <laughs> uh, that's that's a Portland hipster thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, the hipster version. Hipster witching. Right? Yes. <laughs> the nineteen eighty one is is a very interesting thing, and so we, we mentioned earlier that we the only thing we could find at our library was the uh, Inner Sanctum Mysteries that had Weird Woman in it, right? Among, mm-hmm. uh, among you know five other movies or four other movies, something like that, right? Where. Burn Witch Burn is available on Amazon Prime if you have that. Right. Um, and I recommend watching that one. Witch's Brew I could not find anywhere since it, since it got mm-hmm. only, you know, went straight to television and home video. There's probably VHS out there somewhere that you can get. I don't know if you can even find a DVD of it. Right. But it is on YouTube. And I don't know if it's cool to watch it that way, but... I'm just saying that's how I watched it. It's well, if you watch it, you'll get your own punishment because not only is it not a great movie, but the quality of the recording is right. really low. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's like a TV movie, right? Yeah. So so it's all it's all three by four by three or whatever and um yeah, not great. In four eighty. No. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe only like four sixty nine. Right. <laughs> a little shy of four eighty. <laughs> well, anything else we want to talk about? No. Suppose not. We should probably rank them. Probably should. All right, uh, how do we do this? We usually go column yeah. first, right? Okay, so from what I liked best to worst. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, book, 62, 80? Yeah, I know. I'm a tough time with 44. <laughs> okay. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, well, I was trying to decide, right? So for me, the, the big essence is this, this mystery of, you know, is what going on real, mm-hmm. right? And in 44, it's absolutely not. And right. in 80, it absolutely is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's, right. I think this story is made by the not knowing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the fact that the 1944 one answers the question in the negative is what puts it on the bottom for you. Yeah. All right. Hmm. You look like you pulled a muscle trying to figure that one out. Oh yeah, I, I, sh- I have pulled a muscle. It's in my back. I, I'll, uh, I'll see how much of how much of that time I leave in there on the edit. <laughs> They're just letting the listener know it was protracted. You might lengthen it. It was really no longer than seventeen seconds. <laughs> Very nice. All right, what about you, James? Um, same order, but different reasons, I suppose. Okay. Um, so I like. Yeah, I did like the book better. I actually, was able to read this book in a day. Mm-hmm. With not too much alcohol involved. A day? Wow. That's... Yeah. I think it was actually, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it was a day. Probably about late okay. morning to early afternoon. Nice. Situation. Uh, but I did like the 1962 movie on mm-hmm. Prime. I would totally recommend that movie. That was cool. And then the 80 movie next because the music was awesome. And the 44, <laughs> 44 movie last because it was just terrible. Okay. <laughs> right. Well, I, I am going to vary from you guys and I'm going to put the 62 movie first. I did watch it before I read the book, and I feel like it's right. a good enough adaptation of it that it improves on it in the fact that it's not boring. Mm. Right? The, the, <laughs> I feel like that movie's pretty well paced. The book, maybe maybe if I'd started with the magazine, if I'd started with the magazine, I would have hated the book, I think, just because mm. the because yeah. it's slightly longer and a little more boring. Um, I did enjoy the book, but but I, I'm going to give the 62 movie the nod. Then I'm going to go 1980. Um just it was more entertaining than the 1944 one 
and yeah. I think that's down to the performances and because the, the performances and the groovy music, and the groovy music yeah. <laughs> um, and, and, and you know, it, it is, it does have a lot more points in common with what comes from the book and it takes a different direction on some of it, but mm-hmm. you know, the Lucifer's egg thing was a weird aside, but uh, yeah, I think on the strength of the performances, not, not because of the adaptational consideration. I, you know, I support the 1944's movie movies uh, choice to, answer the question and say, no, none of this stuff was real, but it just wasn't a very good movie. So, so we did kind of get what you were saying earlier, where, where I think you said you were looking for a movie that would take a direction, either not real or real. Mm-hmm. We did get that out of the 44 and yeah. movies, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what it looks like. So don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, your mileage may vary, right? You could, you can, you can, I, I maintain that there is a, way to make the 1944 movie type of thing where you answer it and mm-hmm. say no this was all hysteria and make a decent movie out of it there's no way to make it not sexist though that's that's the problem like you essentially are saying that women are irrational if you make that movie so right it would I, be a difficult one to do i wonder if you could write it so that the idea that women are irrational is only held by the main character mm. kind of like uh as good as it gets you yeah. know that he's a misogynist oh, yeah. and yes. you're not supposed to like him. Mm-hmm. Right. If you did that to the character that is saying, you know, treating his wife that way. Yeah. Uh, but then you'd have to have another, another hero. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It'd be an interesting See, challenge. I think it would have been more, more interesting to end the 1944 movie with him deciding and agreeing with his wife that none of this stuff was real. And then for him to go off believing that and her to kind of have a knowing wink with another lady to know that, you know, yeah, it's real. He doesn't believe it, but it's fine. We'll, we'll bear with him because he's right. just a man. Yes. No, no, this was a fun one. We, we haven't done a three movie one in ages, it seems like. So. No. And, and especially with a full movie. I mean, full uh, full book. Full book, yeah. Yeah. Well, a book and a novella. Mm-hmm. So we, right. this is actually my mistake. We assumed that the novel was the source of the movies and then realized that one of the movies came out before the novel was written. Yes. So then we backpedaled right. a whole bunch. I backpedaled a whole bunch and found the novella and found a copy of what we could read and mm-hmm. started reading. And it's like, well, this is almost exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I, I the, the part that I read, I thought they were pretty close minus the beginning. And- yeah. It's slightly out of sequence. And yeah. from what I read on that, that history of publication of it is it's a little sexier in the 1952 one, a little more emphasis oh, yeah. on oh, okay. yeah. on such things. But Oh, uh, yeah. So where are we going from here? Well, from here, uh, if everything works out, this is, you know, fingers, fingers <laughs> crossed. Recently on the Nook store, the Andromeda strain came up for sale and we've done some Crichton in the past. Yeah. And it's one that Colin and I've read before. Have you heard that one? Nope. Okay. And so, but we also saw like that. So <laughs> I started it this morning. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, okay. yeah. So this is what we're doing next, because we also saw that uh, friend of the show, <laughs> no, um, that one of, one of the authors that we enjoy, who's in the Portland area, at least we think, or at least used to be, Daniel H. Wilson, has written a sequel to The Andromeda Strain called The Andromeda Evolution. And I don't know if it's like there were some notes from Michael Crichton, we'll need to get that information yeah, from Mr. H. Wilson, as we refer to, as Colin and I have been referring to <laughs> yes. him. Um, because I reached out to him because years ago he did uh, like a Q&A thing for my blog, my now defunct blog. I mean, it's still there, but um, for Brojitsu, the martial art of sibling smackdown. And, um, and so like I had his contact information. I thought, I'm just going to, I'm just going to send him an email and say, Hey, we're going to be doing this podcast. We'd love to get your thoughts about 
the Andromeda strain and the adaptations of it, or just about the Andromeda evolution and how all that came to be. And I got an email back and he's up for it. So hopefully I don't have to edit this out of... uh... <laughs> in the future, because um, we we still need to figure out the logistics of that. But um, I'm hoping that that we're able to make that happen. It's possible that we end up just doing an Andromeda Strain episode, and then maybe we have a sidebar conversation with Mr. H. Wilson, right, about um, the new book. In some sense, we're gonna we're gonna do that though. Um, another another thing that we have dangling out there is my son just read 1984 for school, and so I've been reading 1984, and oh, nice. we've already covered like <laughs> three dystopian classics, I think, and I feel like we should do 1984 as well, even though it's not a cheery book um, because it's adapted right. as well, right? Okay. But I, I feel like it's it's thought provoking enough, and and I, I've had some really great conversations with Ethan about it, um, because he finished it, and oh, nice. uh, so at some point maybe maybe we'll cover that one. All right. Uh, anyhow, we'll we'll get out of here. Normally I do a little bumper afterwards. You know, thanks for listening, and where you can find the hmm. all that kind of stuff. But I can just do it here. You need to give us a payment pounded blessing. I do need to do that. Oh, so yeah. so I will do that after I give the you know, socials and that kind of stuff. So if you're listening to this on the Hugo's feed and you want to subscribe, search for take me to your reader, you can follow us on Twitter at pavement podcast and let us know how we're doing here. Leave us a review. That'd be great. Or for the Hugo's show, that would be cool too. You can actually support us on Patreon through my Hugo's podcast, Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Hugo's podcast. And, uh, you know, that can help nice. us buy a new microphone every now and then or <laughs> improve our setup or pay hosting fees or something. Or buy me a six pack. Could do that. You could buy James a beer <laughs> or six. But yeah. And until next time, we'll leave you with a Pavement Pounders conjure wife blessing. <laughs> Is it going to be uh, sexist and misogynistic? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> now that I'm thinking of it. Uh, may the road rise up to meet you. And remember, witches be crazy. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody. What's that? It's a cool little toy. <laughs> so, I feel, Emily, that we were remiss in discussing this movie without you or all the, all the movies without you you didn't read the book so you didn't right. didn't do the homework that's that's why we didn't have you on the call but you know like we all really liked the 1962 movie and you were not a huge fan although you were a bigger fan of it than the other ones yes but um maybe <laughs> can we get a feminine perspective oh lord i don't know if you want the feminine perspective on this this is yeah it, it was just bad all around yeah you know like the whole me too movement and feminism and it's just like that doesn't exist in any of these films and i don't know again i don't know about the the book but Mm -hmm. um yeah it's painful to watch as a woman uh (laughs) you know yeah it's not good so i i mean i did kind of mention that that we're we're bringing (laughs) male perspectives to all this and so any Female listeners might see it. their mileage might vary, and you're, you're agreeing. But. Yeah, it, I I feel like hours of my life were lost there <laughs> in uh, this you know penis centric world. Right. You, know? <laughs> you know, it was just yeah, um, yeah. So just like what you're saying is like the baseline sexism of this whole story completely makes it so that you, you can't really enjoy any anything. It's very difficult to watch as a... Yeah. It's, it, I feel like it was written by men, it, for men, yeah. and, uh, you know, for the male audience. Yes. Oh, now, now more dudes have come gallery. into the room. I know, right? We got the peanut gallery back. I'm interviewing yeah. your wife about her thoughts about the movies. I wanted her thoughts, I'd give it to her. <laughs>
I don't Another male. I don't know how well that picked up, so you want to go on record, sir? <laughs> I'll put this in the post credit scene. Uh, hey, if you had to rank them, how would you rank them? Can they all be Fs? They can, but if you had to, if, if I forced you... Okay. Um, and, you know, as so, a man, right, force, as forcing a man. some rationality. Yeah, from, right, you know, yeah. You know, put course. your feelings aside. Right, right. Gosh, yeah. <laughs> Feminine logic here. Uh, um, so, so to be very honest, the we watch with the '40s version. Is that um, today we watched the '62? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did. We watched the '40s version before on our own, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize it was a podcast movie. But it was so bad, like I couldn't even watch and pay attention to it. Gotcha. Like it, it even though it was it's like, like an hour and ten nails on the chalkboard, gotcha. just the sexism and you know women just like completely <laughs> irrational. Yes, and uh, so I don't even remember what I was doing, but it was you know like gotcha. I, it it was painful. Are to you saying that one's on the bottom? Maybe yeah, can I, can I give an F plus? I mean, can we break this down? Uh, yeah. I, okay, I would say the '40s version was the worst. Mm-hmm. '80s version was worst plus. You know, above, slightly above. I, yeah. You're like Keith Olbermann was the worst, worster, and right, worstest. worstest? Yeah. yeah. Um. This one today, the sixty-two, was probably the best of the of the three. If you have to tell that story, that's the way to do it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So D plus. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, yeah. Thank, thank you for, for absolutely providing that perspective. Sure, all female kind. You yes. know, <laughs> weighing in. All right. Thank you. You're very welcome. Roll that beautiful disco intro music. We're crossing streams. Witches brew. We don't have any disco music. (laughs) Are these two podcasts going to annihilate each other if they're crossing streams? No, there's going to be enough (laughs) unique material that there there won't be a problem. Ah, You you got rid of the the noisy vest. That's what I was waiting for for you to finish. There we go. Okay. (laughs) Okay.